So Mariah, come and bring it. Thank you. Good morning. Okay, so I had a lot of fun thinking towards, if you saw my notes, it would be a little bit scary because there seems to be a lot. And let me just tell you, I whittled it down. And <laughs> I had so much fun thinking towards this Sunday because I just, um, it was just a huge meditation on what the Lord has been doing and saying and speaking. And um, I didn't realize exactly how much. It's so fun. I got my journals out from the beginning of this year. I kind of went back a little bit more just to see what the Lord was saying. And I was like, wow, God, you are awesome. God is so amazing. And so I had so much fun thinking towards the Sunday. I'm believing the Lord will meet you in the message. But at the very least, I know that I'm at least changed and encouraged because of just preparing for today. So I want you to repeat after me. Say, Jesus' blood is enough. The gospel is still winning. God sits on the throne. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. It is finished. Okay, one more time. It is finished. It is finished. Amen. Okay, so this won't be so much of a teaching today as it is more so an exhortation. And I'm going to be taking you on some of my prophetic journey throughout this year. Um, I just want to share with you some things the Lord has shown me um, for some time to now. And so there's going to be some experiences, uh, more scriptures than the one that I'm, that, um, I'm supposed to be sharing this morning, which is just Romans 12, 12. And it'll be kind of a story time. So more than anything, you guys, I just want you to come away hungry for more of Jesus. Like it, that, that's kind of just, you know, us as believers, we lead people to Jesus, right? Like that's what we're supposed to be doing, not to fear, not to more information, but to Jesus. And that's what I really want for the impact of my life is that when people come away, they come away knowing Jesus, being hungry for more of Jesus, curious about Jesus, encountering Jesus. Amen. So we've been going through Romans 12 as a church. I don't know if any of you have taken the time to read it, but wow, it is super convicting. It's really convicting. I love the word of God. It's living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. And it pierces through and gets to the places of our hearts that we're unaware of at times. Amen? So the verse that I have this week is Romans 12, verse 12. And it's also my points for today. I don't know if we can throw it up there. It says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit that's living on the inside of us, Lord. And Jesus, I pray that you would make your word alive to us, God, that we can be hearers and understanders, understanders of your word, Lord Jesus, that we'll be able to comprehend, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first point, be joyful in hope. If you remember back in March, we entered a 21-day fast as a church. Maybe some of you don't remember that because March is like 10 years ago now. <laughs> like 2020 feels like the longest 10 years of our life. So, uh, but before then, Dennis was wanting to discern what we were supposed to fast and, it was, and what it was for, etc. So as, as a leadership team, we were also leaning in and we were praying and asking the Lord, if we're, when we were supposed to enter a fast and what it was for. And so on February 20th, um, I had a dream 
And this dream was part of confirming the fast, but it's also stayed with me as the anthem and the anchor of my heart since then. And the dream was this. A friend of mine named Shay, I have a friend named Shay in real life, and this is her baby's name too, the one that I'm about to introduce to you. Uh, A friend of mine named Shay had me care for her baby for three weeks before she came to Alaska. And while the baby was under my care, I loved on her so much. I gave her baths. I fed her. I put her to sleep. I squeezed her chubbiness. And she was such a happy baby. And the baby's name is Wild Hope. And when I woke up from the dream, the Lord started speaking to me of a 21-day fast for three weeks where we were supposed to carry Wild Hope before obtaining the fulfillment of promise or the gift. And Shay's name means gift. So I have a friend, her name is Shay. Her name actually means gift. And she has a baby, and her baby's name is Wild Hope. And that's who I saw in the dream. And so the fast was focused on returning to our first love, Jesus, and to believe that we can be a people walking in spiritual authority. So the fast ended during the beginning of the quarantine, but after 21 days, it was clear that it was the linchpin for me for the time that we're in right now. So he's my first love. I'm made to walk in the spirit in which nothing is impossible. Got it. And that really has been the anthem of my heart since the beginning is wild hope, wild hope, wild hope. Even what's happening right now, there's still some wild hope inside of me. Amen? So daily, we are in a war that wages against the goodness of God. Daily, we enter into war that wants to say that his love isn't powerful enough, that he's not good enough, that he doesn't care, and that he isn't kind. And we have to decide today, in this moment, whose report we will believe. And the determining factor and what will mark the people of God is that we are undoubtedly carriers of hope, of joy, and that we love fiercely. When others shrink back, we are not of those who shrink back. That's what it says in Hebrews 10. We are not of those who shrink back because we're not starting at a deficit. There's no reason to fear, for he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And when we understand that, we begin to lean in, right? When others might be cowering back, we lean in. So um, we have the backing of heaven, and our eyes are sent like flit and looking straight into the eyes of our prize, which is Jesus. So this past week, my family went over to a friend's house, and there's a group of us that get together every once in a while, and we worship together. And we do the same thing that we always do. We feast, we laugh, we worship, we pray, and we prophesy. And can I tell you something? It is hard to stay hopeless in that kind of environment. It is hard to stay joyless in this type of environment where we are worshiping the Lord. I loved worship this morning, especially when we're going into Ephesians Two, where we are seated, and, and that's something that, like, in prayer, that's always where I go. I love that verse, and I love that we sang it out this morning. I almost felt like worship and where we went prophetically, and Tanner and Renee speaking out, I was like, we're done. I think we're done this morning. This was really good. So this past week, we were in worship, and I was just like, my goodness, it is hard to stay hopeless when we're worshiping the Lord, and we're gathered together lifting up the name of Jesus. It is hard to stay hopeless. It is easier to see the Lord and to start seeing him clearly. This is one of the reasons why worshiping is so important right now. And I also just want to say, I want to add this as well. Worshiping congregationally is not the only expression of worship. Singing is not the only expression of worship. 
And so when we see, right, because I, I, I'm going to be pushing into something here just a little bit, but hear me out, okay? So when we see that things are coming against congregational gatherings, and we're feeling like, man, we, got, like, we have to fight in order to be able to worship. I, want, I just want to encourage you that worship is more than what we do on Sunday. Worship is our life. Worship is our life laid down before the lover of our soul, which is Jesus. Amen? And so I just want to encourage us to refuse unbelief, a place at the table of feasting. Our hope isn't determined by an outcome. I said our hope isn't determined by an outcome. It's anchored in the person of Jesus. We carry wild hope when we have Jesus. We live into a reality that our freedom is internal. Freedom from unbelief allows wild hope to run free. I want to say this part one more time. We live into a reality that our freedom is internal. So I understand right now the climate of what's happening in our nation and in the nations. There's a fight for freedom, but there's, but there's something that as believers we must understand, that amidst the chaos and the crisis, our hearts are already free. And so when we can live into that reality, that internally whom the sun sets free is free indeed. See, the gospel has not stopped. It has not stopped because there's other things that are breaking out. It is still advancing. And he says, of the increase of his government and his peace, there is no end, right? And so really we need to live into the reality that we are already free. That doesn't mean that we become unaware of the other things around us and that when we receive assignments to carry things out in prayer and, and otherwise that we push into those places, but we also must do it from the reality that we are free. In Christ Jesus, we are free. Amen? So this is why we can be patient in affliction, which is... The second point, probably like many of you, I, I, I'm, I've been hearing this scripture a lot of times. Probably like many of you, Matthew 24 has been sticking out to me and as, as I've read it several times. Um, it's where Jesus basically talks about the things we see happening right now. He talks about wars and rumors of wars. He talks about a falling away and about many uh, people being deceived. He talks about tribulation coming and, and famines, all the fun things. It's a really fun, it's a fun chapter. <laughs> so... And in, in verse 6, Jesus has the audacity to say something that struck me. And he says this, see to it, after he says all this stuff, he says, see to it that you are not troubled. What? Excuse me? After you said all of that, he says, see to it that you are not troubled. Um, okay. So as I read on, I saw in verse 12, it says, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But in verse 13, it says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Okay, so not to state the obvious, but obviously we're in verse 12. Are we not in verse 12 right now? Like we are seeing lawlessness abound. And so naturally I look at the next part of the verse, which says the love of many will grow cold. When it says in verse 13, but he who endures to the end will be saved. I don't know about you, but I look at that and I'm like, well, challenge accepted. I want to endure to the end. I want to endure to the end. Give me the t-shirt. Endure to the end. That's what I want. And so I believe 
that how we endure to the end is love. Verse 12, it says, when lawlessness abounds, the love of many will grow cold. And I I just want to say this. Your love cannot grow cold unless you were first in love. And so verse 12, church, that verse is for us. Lawlessness and the love of many growing cold are not synonymous, meaning it's not the same people group. It can be that lawlessness is abounding and the love of many will grow cold. And, and like I said, you cannot, your love cannot grow cold unless you were in love first. And so who is he speaking to? He's speaking to us. He's speaking to the church. Church, keep your heart tender. Church, keep your heart soft. This is how you endure to the end to stay surrendered. It's not I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. Amen? So obviously there's a lot going on right now in our nation and in the nations, and the influx of information is so tremendous. It's easy. It's easy to know a lot right now, and honestly, it can be tempting to walk this season out without dependency on the Lord if we're not okay with mystery. I said, honestly, it can be tempting to walk this season out without dependency on the Lord if we are not okay with mystery. I mean, the truth is we are in a time of exposing, okay? So check this out. In this time of exposure, we have to remember that our reactions to these things is also exposing us. It's exposing the human condition and our inability to do anything without a great God. I don't know, maybe it's just me. But it's exposing cynicism and my offense. It's exposing bitterness and criticism. It's exposing unforgiveness, and it's exposing pride in me. It's exposing apathy and ignorance. And we have to yield to the process as well, giving God permission to go to the deepest parts of our hearts to transform us more into the likeness of his beautiful son, Jesus. Amen? Because listen, the enemy would love nothing more than to exhaust you and to wear you out right now. He would love nothing more than to exhaust you and have you going in circles and wear you out. And he is absolutely terrified. He is petrified of a church that loves wildly, a church that loves fiercely. It scares him. And so if he can exhaust you in offense, if he can exhaust you in unforgiveness, then he's got us. But he knows that there is power in love because he knows that love is Jesus. Amen? So he hates it when we refuse to be moved off love and when we refuse to be offended, when we choose to forgive. He hates it when we get free of fear. He hates it when we refuse to be a chess piece in his game. He hates it when you live in love. He knows it's powerful. This process that we're going through right now is to refine you. And like we've stated up here on this platform, and what we know is that God didn't send a deadly virus. And he's not sending some of these things, but he is using it to refine the heart of his beloved. And so what I want to know is when pressure comes and it presses down upon my heart, what is going to squeeze out? Jesus. I hope it's Jesus. I mean, actually, honestly, throughout this time, it wasn't always Jesus, and it hasn't always been Jesus. And there's probably still more of a process that's coming out. 
But as we're staying in the fire and being refined in the fire, that's what God is reducing us down to is love. The most powerful factor is love. So in Romans 5, 3 through 5, in the Passion Translation, I love how it says this. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressure will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character. And proving character leads us back to hope. There's that wild hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. Isn't that good news? That this pressure develops in us a patient endurance, and it refines our character, and it leads us to hope, and that the hope that we have is not a disappointing fantasy. So in March 18th, some of you may know, I, I'm, I'm the discipleship director, and I've said this so many times, that's just a fancy name for saying that I direct the conversation towards discipleship, and so we were doing this thing, and it's called Grow Tribes, and it's where we're getting together in small groups, and so I had my small group um, before we went into quarantine, right? So as a state, we went into quarantine, and right before that, we met together as a Grow Tribe. And that's when we were kind of getting like, okay, I guess COVID's kind of a thing. I'm not quite sure. And so in our Grow Tribe, we were just uh, praying, seeking the Lord, having a good time. And we did this exercise that I completely forgot about until this past week. Um, We did this exercise where I said, okay, so let's think like five months out from now, okay? And what I want you to do is I want you to write a letter from the perspective of your future victorious self speaking to yourself now on how you're going to make it through this season. And so we took out some time, we worshiped, and we wrote a letter. And um, it was a great exercise. And then I folded the letter and I put it away. And I forgot about it until now. And so in March, I wrote this letter and I want to read it to you right now. And this is what I wrote to myself. Mariah, I'm so proud of you. You stood defiant against the lies of the enemy, and you totally kept a soft heart. Wow. Look how radiant you are. You will come out on the other side victorious and in love. I want you to take this too, okay? Steady now. Keep the flame. Stay before his face. Do not waste a moment to pour out your love. You will never regret giving him it all. Decide now to continue in radical obedience rooted in radical love. You were made for this season. You were made and anointed to parent your children in this day and age. You're a carrier of hope. Love well. Ask the Lord, and he will always be faithful to guide you and to show you what to do. You can fast. We're in the middle of a fast. It's not a big thing to choose Jesus above your appetites. Guard your heart with all diligence. Keep your heart from offense. Move forward in love. Do as he says. He's trustworthy. Read his word. Worship. Pray. Commune. Daily. Don't divert. Single focus. Be kind to yourself. Love yourself. You're made in the beautiful image of Christ. Your mind is strong and your body is healthy. You know who you are. You're a daughter and you're fully loved. Walk in love. You are a voice and you are like a Cory Ten Boom. In your time of trouble, the Heavenly Father will never leave you. Breathe deep. Stay in love. Love, Mariah. And here's what I want, here's what I want to say. We need to learn how to encourage ourselves in the Lord as well. When there is crisis and chaos and accusation, even from the closest people in our lives, 
do we know how to listen to the voice of the Father and encourage ourselves in the Spirit and in the Word of the Lord? Continually pressing into love as well as banking on the Word of God, which is our final authority, gives us patience in affliction. For example, and here's some of the things that we've been meditating on as a family. Habakkuk 2, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Haggai 2, the desire of all nations is being revealed. The glory of the Lord will be greater than the former and he will grant peace. Isaiah 9, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Isaiah 60, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us because he has anointed us to preach the good news. (laughs) So number three, faithful in prayer. So as I mentioned, Matthew 24 earlier, and that's, and that's where Jesus talks about all the other things, and he says, see to it that you are not troubled, and that in, we need to endure to the end. So I, I just, I, I want to say this to you. Um, we can't pray Matthew 24 away. Jesus said some, these things will have to come. So therefore, how do we pray? Right? We're in a very uncomfortable season. All of our comfort levels are being tested. Right? And so when we wake up, we want to wake up to the right things, and we want to wake up to the face of Jesus, who is our hope. So faithful in prayer. On January 8th, um, during prayer, I felt like the Lord spoke to me, and I wrote down something that I didn't completely understand, not saying that I fully understand it now, but it makes more sense today. And the word was simply this. There's coming a rude awakening, a dramatic shift, and it will be messy at times. But if we stay sensitive to his spirit, we'll see things spring up from unusual places. So when we, went, when we went into quarantine in March, this word in particular for me did two things. It called my spirit to attention to his words first. And then the other is it helped me to know how to respond to what was happening. For God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind, Right? So when everything started happening, when there was a disruption going on, I was like, oh, this must be the rude awakening that the Lord is talking about. He said he's shifting things dramatically. But then he also said, if I stay sensitive to his spirit, we're going to see things spring up from unusual places. So, so then, yeah, it, it helped me to direct my attention to him first and not, the, and not be dictated by the voice of fear. And then it also taught me how to respond. And that's what the word of the Lord does for us. And this is why we need to understand not just prophetic words, but the word of God. We need to understand the word of God, that there is so much hope and there is so much victory for you. And because of that, you can have peace. And because of who Jesus is, you can have joy in the midst of anything, right? And we can have wild hope. So I I actually want to share another word that was shared on our um, Northgate platform over in Teeland in December, and some of you may remember this. Good morning. Good morning. morning. So I'll give you a little bit of framework um, leading up to the word, but for the last couple of years, the Lord has kept highlighting to me that he was awakening his bride, the bride being us as the church. There's going to be an acceleration coming. Um, and that he's going to be releasing a triple anointing of the Elijah anointing, which is significant, right? And you can, you can read about that in scripture. Um, but recently, I've been noticing other speakers around the country as I listen to stuff, are starting to say, speak about the same thing. And so I pay attention to themes in scripture and what others are saying, because we're going to you know, validate and verify the words the Lord's giving us. But then I really got a strong sense recently 
the Lord is saying there's an acceleration coming now. He's going to begin to shake in us much more. And it's very simple. We're going to share the simple gospel. And he is going to release signs and wonders, just like Scripture says. But the triple anointing is at hand. And I really believe in 2020 is the year that he's going to shake us very hard. But he's also going to accelerate us into some wonderful things. Amen. Isn't it good to know that God, he goes before us and he brought, provides for, uh, for us a way to be able to see. And then we can stand on words and we can stand on his word. Amen. And so I, I want to bring this up to you as a way of understanding that when we hear the word of the Lord and when we hear the words of Jesus coming forth, it gives us the ability to know how to pay attention to what he is saying and then how to respond. And if you saw what, I mean, how many of you guys resonate with that word now? In December, we didn't really understand what that meant, right? But I think we have a little bit of an understanding of what that word means now, right? That word means a lot more to us now than it did then in December. And so when I hear things like that, or when I hear God is saying there's a rude awakening, but be, but be sensitive to his spirit because I'm going to be springing up in unusual places. Man, when we hear the word of the Lord, it's always full of hope. And I want to encourage you that anything that doesn't have the redeeming uh, word of God in it, we might have to put it aside. <laughs> okay? Because in Jesus, there is always hope and there's always victory. So um, the, the hard part of, uh, of the limited time that I have to share with you guys today is that there's literally so many testimonies that have flowed out of two questions that I, ended up, that I end up asking in prayer, and that is, God, what is your heart, and what are you saying, and what are you doing? God, what is your heart, and what is it that you're saying, and what is it that you're doing? And during this time that we've been throughout this whatever this season is, this 10-year-long season in 2020. <laughs> um, God has spoken so much, and he's given us so much assurance, and there's actually a lot of testimonies. In, in our home, Tiana knows, that's my sister. She was drumming this morning. In our home, we have this whiteboard, and on it we have testimonies and prayer requests. And I, and, and I just want to say our testimonies, some of the prayer requests have actually made it onto the testimony side, as they've been answered. And in the beginning, we just had a few here and a, and, a, and a long list here. And actually, the list of testimonies has grown, and now it's kind of looping over and coming around this way. And here's the thing. When you are in prayer, prayer is, is an offense to our strength because it puts us right into dependency. It's an immediate confession that we don't know, who, but he does. And it puts all that we know on the table, and it calls us to surrender and to yield to the wisdom of God. It aligns us from being in an outcry to crying out. And I love prayer for those few, for those few reasons. Isaiah 43, it says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Ephesians 2, it says, But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we are dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, and we sang about this like all morning, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. 
if you want to hear a good message too about praying with the authority that God has given us, you need to listen to last week's message that Dennis shared. But Ephesians 2 and the revelation of being seated with the Lord in heavenly places has been one of the most powerful things for me when it comes to prayer. I don't pray to a God that's far away. I don't pray begging him to come this way. I am seated with him and I am seated in him. And I love, Tanner didn't know this, but like this is like where I wanted to land was right here that we, did you know that we are seated in heavenly places? You are seated in heavenly places with the Lord. And so this is what I do a lot of the time in prayer. I just want to let you know, like I, I actually imagine myself there. I imagine myself, okay, if, if I was to walk over to my seat, this is what, my, uh, Lord, show me what my seat looks like. Oh, wow, that's awesome. And I sit down right next to it, and I see the Lord, and I'm like, yeah. Th- this is really literally where I go in prayer. This is where I set my mind. If your word says that we're seated with you, I allow the Lord just to come on my imagination, and I imagine myself seated with him. And then he, he usually will take me into different things that we're praying about. But here's what I imagine, okay? So I'm seated with the Lord in heavenly places, just as it says in Ephesians 2. And I'm seated with him. And then I take a look around. If I'm seated with him, in Revelations 4, it talks about the throne room of God. How many of you guys have, uh, have read Revelation 4? It's amazing. He says, come up here and I will show you these things. And talks about John being sucked up into the spirit and he sees the throne room. And man, it is beautiful. I saw him who sat on the throne. There was one who sat on the throne. That was the first thing that he saw was Jesus. He saw the Lord. That is the first thing that we need to become aware of in prayer is Jesus sitting on the throne. And so he talks about how God's sitting on the throne and the, the angels that are all around and there's lightning and thunder and, and a glassy sea and a bunch of crazy stuff. And, and so I, I, I imagine myself just like in Ephesians 2 s- sitting there and then kind of take myself to a Revelation 4 thing like, whoa, there's a lot of thunder and there's lightning up here. <laughs> the, wow, there's a lot of love and joy and peace here wow, there is, you're not in a hurry up here. There is no striving here. You are patient here. You are faithful. Wow. And this is what he says a lot of the time, or what I imagine him saying is, daughter, look over and see what we have authority over. And then I look and I see the battle is like way below and I'm seated in peace. And I just want to say, when, we're, when we sit back into peace, we realize there is no striving, and we don't have to become more aware of the battle than we do of him. And all of a sudden, I'm hearing clear. I'm waiting. I can be still and know that he is God. And I can pray from a place of victory. And now I'm seeing pictures of the victorious Lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the world. And I start seeing a healer. And I start seeing a God who's going to come in and conquer. You know what I'm saying? That's the place where we need to be in prayer. And I just want to say, that he, again, that he has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. We don't need to know everything, but we do need to know him and discern his voice. 
Um, in times like this, I'm taken, I'm taken over to um, a book that really changed my life. With, is called The Heavenly Man. It's by Brother Young, and I don't. Uh, um, it, it's a really good book. It changed my life about like eight to ten years ago. I read it and was just rocked. And it's about this missionary in China, or he wasn't a missionary. He was just a man in China who got a hold of Jesus. Actually, Jesus got a hold of him, and he would hide in the rice paddies and would read the pages that he had out of the Bible. I don't even remember if he had the whole Bible, but he would just read it and drink it. And it talks about him actually going into persecution and going into jails and being tortured and being um, pressured. And, and he still walked in the love and the joy of Jesus. And I remember reading that being like, are you kidding me? How is this even possible? And in it, we're like, pages and pages of him just being in love with the Lord. And it was consuming him to the point where he was no longer aware of what was happening around him. He was aware of the face of Jesus. And he saw many people get healed and saved, both people in the jail and also the, um, the guards as well. And, and, and in that, I'm just like, man, I want to be like that, not only in prayer, but in my life with the Lord. I want to be so ferociously in love with Jesus and so disruptive in my wild love towards others that I am, my eyes are set like flint and I am clear about what my assignment is and I'm clear about what is a distraction and where I'm going. And I know how to lean in because we are not of those who shrink back, but we move forward. Amen? Okay, so I know I said a lot, so I want to leave you with this. Be joyful in hope. Our hope isn't determined by an outcome. It's anchored in the, in the person of Jesus. It's patient in affliction. Choosing love is how we endure to the end. Be faithful in prayer. God, what is your heart? What are you saying and what are you doing? Amen? Tanner, can I have you come up? <laughs> I'm just going to have um, Tanner play a little bit as we end. Um, and we're just going to do this activation. And this is what I want all of us to do. We're all going to imagine ourselves um, being seated, just as Ephesians 2 says. And if you've never done this before, we're just going to close our eyes. And we're just going to ask the Lord simply like, what does it look like to be seated with you? And literally, I want you to imagine a seat. And I want you to imagine the Lord next to you. Maybe you're actually on his lap. I don't know. How big is his throne? How big is yours next to his? What's around you? And let's become aware. Give us your heart. Give us your eyes and your ears. Let us be a mouthpiece for your glory. We always want to be leading others to you, Jesus, our powerful defender and our joyful hope. We want to be aware of you, Jesus.
what does it look like to be seated with you in victory and to hear from a place of clarity and not confusion. Father, sometimes we mistake our urgency for passion. There is no striving. So I want to end by by saying this to you. I want to tell you, fear not, for the Lord of hosts is with you. He said he's not the author of confusion, but of peace. We can be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and be faithful in prayer. And that is the call to the church right now is to pray. That the first thing that we are aware of is the face of Jesus. And if you've been with us for some time, you know that um, since the beginning of the year, we've been talking about returning back to our first love. Of returning to Jesus. And I know that for me, that has been a call to my own life that in places where I have forgotten the goodness of God, he's called me to return. And so today, that's the same call. Is that in any area of your, of your heart that isn't settled on the goodness of God, we can settle that today. We can return and be seated with Christ who is peace, who is love. Amen. Can we sing that, uh, that chorus? There was one about being seated in heavenly places. Let's end with that. Why don't you go ahead and stand? Now I can finally see it. You're teaching me how to see. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, I pray for your peace, Lord God, over every heart, over every heart that's here, every heart that's on the live, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And for those of you that that want prayer, I want to invite you down to the front. If, if there's if there's something like if you want prayer for peace, if you want to understand how to be seated in heavenly places, I want you to come down to the front. We want to pray with you. For those of you that want healing in your body and you want someone to agree with you, we want to pray for you. Because Jesus, he's a miraculous God. He's still moving. He hasn't stopped. Isn't that good? That's good news. That's good news. Our God is a conquering lion. So I bless you today. And for those of you that are slaying fish, we bless you too. Amen.